If your biggest problem right now is your chef is not available and you have to figure out how to cook these meals, that's a huge problem to you. I can't say that that's a small problem compared to my problem. We don't problem compare because we don't know what it's like for other people. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with licensed therapist Nedra Glover-Tawab. She says it's time to learn to be content even in the midst of uncertainty. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you are an OG listener or purpose chaser, thank you so much. I pray for you guys every day. So I hope you have been well during quarantine, sheltering in place, and now folks being let back out. Wherever you are, though, always praying for your safety. If you're brand new, here's what you need to know. You need to know that this is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so our very first pillar out of the six pillars of wealth here is all about fit. And it's about making sure you're not just physically fit, right, but you're also mentally fit. If you want to learn more about the six pillars of wealth, I suggest you head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. That's patricewashington.com forward slash start here. And you will get a free audio training that will teach you all about our six pillars of wealth so you can get all caught up. I am so excited about our guest today. You are going to love this episode with Nedra Tawab. I've literally listened to it twice. It's full of just great tips, great nuggets, and it's also really uplifting and fun. She has a wonderful personality, and I really just can't wait for you to dive in. Nedra Glover-Tawab is a licensed therapist and sought-after relationship expert. She has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. Nedra has been recently featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, Psychology Today, and so much more. She runs a popular Instagram account where she shares practices, tools, and reflections for mental health and hosts weekly Q&As. Without further ado... Here's my conversation with Nedra Tawab. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Nedra. Hi. Hey. I'm like really stoked to have you here because I've been following you on Instagram and I see all the memes, but I don't always see the face and the voice that goes with it. And as I was sharing with you before we started recording, I mean, the impact that you have just on Instagram in this mental health space and just exposing us to, I think, different types of trauma mm-hmm. or different things that we may be dealing with, but we don't actually know that it's a thing. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you normalize your experience and you think it's all about you and you don't realize there's a lot of other people who are possibly struggling with the same types of things. And you just come on Instagram and those, I don't even know how you got into just putting these memes out, but those bullet points are like life shifting. So I'm honored to have you here and to actually get to look at you and talk to you. 
Thank Yay. you for being here. Yes, yes. So I started creating the listicles probably last year. Before that, I was creating, well, I'll say seriously creating listicles last year. Um, before of that, I was just doing like one-liners, two-liners, and then I started creating listicles because I think so many things about one thing. And I think that it's helpful for people to see, like if I say this is codependency, to have maybe eight different signs and symptoms of what that behavior looks like versus me writing a sentence and saying, you know, codependency is you being in an unhealthy relationship where you're neglecting yourself. I think it just helps for us to see things in a list format. I, that, that's how I read. When I go to articles, I'm like, okay, we're, we're, okay, this is the, this is the, the point I need to know. Like I'm looking for the quick information. So I love creating listicles. Actually, I think my brain works in that way. Just list. Well, it's so easy to absorb too. So in following you, it's like you can scroll through and like, boom, boom, boom. You know, like you just hit it. And some of us, as my husband tells me, you speak in essays and I speak in tweets. (laughs) You know, but like your listicles are just really helpful. And I think it gives people the opportunity to explore more if they need to, you know, be able to look at the high level and go, wait, is that, is that a thing? Like that one line might pop out, whereas the rest of it is just kind of background. That one thing can pop out and say, and make you think like, oh, okay, maybe this is something I need to explore. So I'm just curious, what are your DMs like? Like, are people hitting you up (laughs) left and right? My DMs are pretty insane. And it's so interesting because on Mondays I do a Q&A on my IG story and I get a lot of people and their Q&A question will say, why aren't you checking my DM? <laughs> I'm like, I get an insane amount of DMs. But the good thing is most of the DMs are just like, you know, mentions and Thank you for posting, you know, those sorts of things. But sometimes as a therapist, we get these very heavy um, situations and people are like, hey, I just need to talk to you. And they tell us this thing. And it's like, yeah, I, I can't address that. I'm not your therapist. Right. Um, and so I do have like my boundaries and a disclaimer posted on Instagram so people know like I cannot provide therapy via DM. Lots of times I don't see the messages. They get mixed up. It's a, it's a lot happening there. The best thing for you to do is to find some mental health support, um, not on Instagram, but via a therapist in your local area. Right. But I do love the way Instagram has continued to bring light to just the idea of getting mental health support. You know, and just it's one of the things that we talk about. The first pillar here, redefining wealth is the fit pillar. And we talk about not just physical fitness, but mental fitness, mental health as well. Um, And I just love that there's so many voices, primarily in the African-American community who are just standing up and saying, like, look, this is okay." because many of us grew up with you better not go tell people our business and you better this and you better that or if we are in a relationship with a mental health professional, not being comfortable telling the full truth and therefore not being able to experience the full benefit Mm -hmm. of actually getting therapy. 
Absolutely. I remember in middle school, I was very honest with people who were my close friends. Like, yeah, so my sister did this and my mom is like this. And my and I remember a friend telling me like, wow, you just say stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> and she was like, you know, we became like really good friends. And she started sharing with me and it was like, we were sharing together and it was so different because you do, you see all of this stuff happening and nobody talks about it. I'm like, so is this not a problem? Like this thing over here, are we just ignoring that? But I think so much we are taught to um, not talk about what happens in our house and not to share our parents' business with anyone and not to um, ask people for help and to be strong and all of those things that are actually very harmful for our mental health. Like I say, whatever needs to be kept at home probably needs to be told to a therapist mm. because if someone is telling you to keep a secret, what happens in this house stays in this house. That is an indicator that you probably need to talk to a therapist about those things because those are secrets. Those are things that your family is saying, Hey, this is shameful. No one needs to know about this thing. And they're aware of it and they're telling you not to tell anyone. And that could be the very thing to help you. Right. To help set you free. Mm-hmm. Right. And not be in bondage to some experience or trauma mm-hmm. that perhaps happened in childhood. One of the things that we say here a lot at Redefining Wealth, I originally got it from another guest and she wasn't able to source it for me, but it stays with me all the time is that your business will only grow to the extent you're willing to heal. Mm-hmm. And so because I serve so many entrepreneurs and go-getters and high achievers, and they are all about their wealth building, one of the things that we keep coming up against is that, yes, you can have all of the certifications and the trainings and the degrees and all the things, the titles, but it's still only going to go so far if you haven't dealt with possibly some of your childhood trauma. Absolutely. And one form or another could be holding you back. Do you have any thoughts just around that? From what you've seen? Well, I think for, you know, the stereotype of Black women is that Black women are angry. And to that, I say Black women are tired. And we are tired of having to wear a mask. And sometimes that comes across as anger. Sometimes that comes across as frustration. Sometimes that comes across as being strong. But I really think that when we see that there is a lot under there that has not been addressed. Mm -hmm. So it's gone unresolved Mm -hmm. and now it's just showing up in different ways. Showing up at work, somebody come in late and you go off on them. It's, you know, that's unresolved trauma that has nothing to do with that person on that particular day. But boy, if they got it, (laughs) They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. They can get it. They can get it too. Yeah. Yeah. So one of your listicles that really caught my eye most recently is just that we're all dealing with the impact of COVID-19, this whole pandemic, this idea of quote unquote, a new normal. And the fact that every few weeks we're hearing that it's being extended, our shelter in place is being extended for more weeks and more weeks and more weeks. And I think for many people, you know, perhaps the first couple of weeks you were like, okay, you know, I'll do what I have to do. Then when that turned into 30 days, 45 days, possibly 60 days, 90 days, who knows? 
right, where this goes, now you're left to really deal with maybe some things that you are used to being able to run out in the world and run away from. So you had a listicle that was things I'm reminded of while quarantined. And what stood out to me was one of them was to be content. And I was like, huh, I kind of get it, but I also see how someone could be like, but how am I supposed to be content when there's so much uncertainty around? What do you say to someone who's asking that? I think contentment right now is having shelter, having food, having water, being able to turn on Netflix. All of those things are things that we can be satisfied with. Mm -hmm. Um, And anything more than that is extra. We are in a space right now where it is literally life or death. And you have people complaining about not being able to get craft shredded cheese and having to go with Sorrento, uh, Sorgento. <laughs> That's your biggest concern. <laughs> That's your biggest concern. Whoa. You know, we have to be content with the craft or content with, you know, like we have to be okay with the things that we have now if we have them, because so many people don't. There are so many people who were homeless before this. They're sleeping in their cars. They're in shelters that are infested with COVID. Mm -hmm. And there are others where we're doing okay. We're doing okay. We, our basic needs are met and we have to be okay with that right now. Not long-term, not forever, but right now, you know, it feels really good to just wake up in the morning. And not be sick. Um, Alex L. had a post where she just um, mentioned, I'm grateful to be alive. Period. You know, it's, it's, that's a huge thing to be grateful for, especially when so many people are getting infected and not recovering from this. So let's take it back to the basics and just say, these are the things that I have. It may not be exactly what I want right now, but I am grateful for these things. Yeah. One of the things we've been doing as a family is just like before dinner or around the time we pray for dinner, um, you know, just talking about what we're grateful for today like mm-hmm. and you know so it's, it's to not be redundant we've come up with all kind of stuff like my daughter has just been like oh that Chloe's healthy Chloe's our dog you know or that I got to ride my bike today or you know whatever those things are and many of them are things that quite frankly we took for granted or we just assumed you know would always be there I mm-hmm. guess in some form or fashion and so kind of having a little moment of gratitude at some point during the day. Um, I start the day with gratitude, but doing that with my family has been really helpful um, right now. There's something else that you said, though, that as, again, um, someone who's a make it happen type of person ordinarily and adjusting to (laughs) this idea. I don't know if you saw a meme out there on Instagram where someone said March has been the longest year of my life you know, just the month of March has been the longest year and how it just feels like day turns into night, night turns on the day, like everything feels not normal, even mm-hmm. though it's the new normal, feels not normal. You said being busy is not an accurate measure of worth. And for many of us, busyness is the barometer for what we've actually accomplished or achieved. And so when you feel like the days and nights are just flip-flopping on you and you're not doing as much, 
what are some things that we should be thinking of or how can we reframe that to serve us in this season? I think our idea of productivity needs to change. So right now, maybe your accomplishment is taking a shower, brushing your teeth and having a healthy breakfast. Maybe your accomplishment is deciding to pay a bill versus online shopping. Maybe your I think those accomplishments look different. We can still achieve things right now. I'm trying to work my way through Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's 10 seasons. So I'm trying to achieve that goal. I have about four seasons to go, but that's a goal for me, like a serious one. After this is over, I want to be finished with Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I, I think that those goals change. So every single day, I'm treating this like a real thing. I have like two, three episodes I watch because I'm like, this is, I, I need to get through this. This is, this is my new busy. Being productive is not always creating things and selling things. It could be completing a a crossword puzzle. Mm -hmm. It could be cutting your grass yourself. There are so many ways to be productive. So if we only focus on those work things as goals for being productive, then we're not really being productive. We're being work focused 90% of the time. So are you annoyed when you're on Instagram and you see all the like, keep hustling, keep pushing? type of stuff? Fortunately, I don't see that because I have a very curated feed. So I don't see a lot of that. I hear about people seeing it, but I don't see a lot of that intentionally. So, because I think there is a space for rest. I am definitely the sort of person who loves to work. I love to, um, I don't want to say be busy, but I'm I do stuff. I read a book. Mm -hmm. I watch TV. I do different things. So I I like to do things. I wouldn't say that they're always work focused, but because of the nature of my work, I can pull work out of it. But I'm not focusing on like, what thing can I come up with next? How do I sell this stuff? I think we don't know what the climate is right now. So it's very hard to push yourself to have these these goals when there's so much uncertainty happening. I love that you talked about curating your feed. So, you know, you can consume what you want to consume, not just whatever's out there. And a young lady emailed me recently and just talked about how she was overwhelmed by the number of emails that she was getting and how it was frustrating and giving her anxiety and all this stuff. And I said, you know, you need to unsubscribe from anything that is messing with your peace right now. And even if my emails are messing with your peace, God bless you, love you, but you can unsubscribe. I said, that goes the same for your social media. Just because you followed someone six months ago, if if it no longer serves you, give yourself permission to curate your feed so that you can only consume what helps edify you, not anything that's bringing you down. But I'm amazed at the number of people who continue to follow and subscribe to things that they claim to hate or claim to it makes them feel some kind of way. So there's a such thing as hate following. Have you heard of this where people intentionally follow people they don't like to send them nasty messages or to have something to gossip about? Yes. So there is a thing. I didn't know it was called that, but I've experienced it. (laughs) Yes. 
So hate following. And yes, people unfortunately do it as a way to, I guess, be in the loop of something they really dislike. That's fascinating. That is interesting in a way, but I think in another way, I think of it as, you know, a lot of work for that person to do. And they're really deflecting by paying attention to something where they can be paying attention to themselves. Right. Like, I I mean, I'm fascinated by that concept. I mean, the first sign for me of anything that disturbs my peace, and I can like you, you can be my my friend, uh, you know, a great acquaintance or something. But if there's just something that just doesn't sit well with me in this season, I have no problem on following. It just, I just don't. I think we have an issue with unfollowing because lots of times we're following people that maybe family members or friends and that unfollow is an indicator that you see an issue. So now you have to have this difficult conversation of why you unfollow, but Instagram and I'm sure other social media platforms have made it pretty easy. You can mute people now. You don't have to unfollow them. You can, you can mute them and you won't see their content and they can no longer impact you in a way if you don't feel uncomfortable outright unfollowing them, if it's your mom, sister, cousin, that sort of thing. Uh, But, you know, there are just certain things that I don't want to see. And so I try to curate a feed that's very representative of, you know, if it's people selling stuff, it's stuff I actually want to buy. I only want to follow, you know, a certain amount of therapy accounts. I only want to follow like things that really speak to me, like you say it in the moment and not just following all of these people. And I, I did that at some point where I was following like a thousand people. But what happened was the things I really wanted to see, I couldn't see them because I have a thousand people I'm following and I couldn't get to the posts that really inspired me and fulfilled me. So I went in and I cut back a ton. So now I'm seeing all of the stuff that I want to see and I follow people accordingly. It's like, oh my gosh, I really like this person's energy. This is what I need right now. And that's what I look at. Right. So you bring up something as well. I think there's like maybe a concept of digital boundaries, but Mm -hmm. also just boundaries in general. Because one thing that I'm noticing as someone who works from home, right? So people have known that I've worked from home for years. That's not new. But because I'm a professional speaker, their perception is that I'm always on the road and I'm always out and about and traveling and doing things, which to me, that happens like two, three times a month. It's not the whole month, but the perception is, oh, Patrice is busy. So now because of COVID-19, Now the perception, the connection is she's not busy. She's not traveling, Mm -hmm. which means we can call or text or chat insinuate that we can chat all day. And I'm like, well, actually, no, speaking was like a small percentage of my business. Perhaps it was the most visible for you, but that wasn't real. That's not really the business. Like the business is still happening. And so I don't have a hard time reminding people of those boundaries and setting times for me to call back friends and family in the evening and stuff like that. But I'm hearing it a lot from women in my community, like, oh my gosh, because now everybody is home. They think that I want to talk to them all day. How do you set boundaries just with that being in this new normal and wanting to be able to still possibly be productive? 
Well, I've noticed a huge increase in emails and projects and these sorts of things, um, you know, whether it's podcasts and advice and all of that stuff. And I think it's because, you know, people are home and they're, you know, so I, you know, I welcome it and I respond to it a- according to whether I can do it or not, as I always would. I think in terms of friends and family, um, you know, the climate has changed, but my boundaries have not. So my boundaries are the exact same boundaries you had before. So don't call me all day if I'm not working, I'm watching TV or I'm raising my (laughs) kids. So I'm still busy with something. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm cooking 1400 meals, you know, so (laughs) so I still have things going on. It doesn't mean that, oh, you're available all day now. No, I'm not at work, but I am working at home. I haven't always worked at home. So, you know, even that shift for people, it's like, but you're working at home. Like I, I, I cannot talk while I work. Yeah, but so, I'm working. Yeah. And I think it's so important right now to continue to have those same boundaries or, you know, if you want to be a little more flexible, you can do that, but it's your your job to let people know what your boundaries are. So even if people have relaxed their boundaries and they're calling people all day and emailing and this sort of thing, you don't have to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do as well is just because you emailed me, because this is my favorite right now. So someone will email 10 a.m. And then at a, like 1230 say, did you get my email? Like follow up with an email or DM regarding the email that I haven't gotten to yet because it's not email time for me yet. And I don't know if it's the rebellious nature in me that makes me go, now you really have to wait till four o'clock. Like, I just don't, like for me, I already have these times set for when I reply to certain things. But to your point, I just feel like people are like, but you're home, but you're home, but you're home. But that doesn't mean that I'm available to you. Mm-hmm. At the time that you feel like talking or that you feel like you need a response, especially because like you said, you know, earlier on, every day is a matter of life or death. And this email is really not like in the big scheme of thing, keeping sanity around here. And I'm not the cook, but I do help. My husband's the better cook. So we roll with him. But, you know, just doing all the things that are now necessary throughout the day, now that we're homeschooling and all this stuff, your email is not the top priority for me. But I feel the energy from folks when you follow up with an email that you want a response to that's not important. Mm-hmm. So how how do you set set those boundaries, let's say not even with family and friends, but even professionally so that people get it? Well, again, the boundaries are your boundaries. So you don't have to make them get it. You have to get it and you have to apply it. And you, if your goal is I will not check emails until four o'clock, then you have to do that. You can't make them email you at four o'clock. You can't make them not DM you, then send you an email, then follow it with the email. With the, We can't stop people from doing whatever they want to do, but we can stick to what we've decided to do. So if I don't want to check emails until four o'clock, I can see that you've emailed four times and I will get to it at four o'clock. That's the really hard thing with boundaries because we want people to stop doing stuff, right? We Mm -hmm. think that's the boundary. Let's get them (laughs) to stop 
Let me tell them to stop. But we can't really stop people because after you address it with that person, it's going to be the next person. But what you can do is have the boundary for yourself and really stick to your timeline of when you're available to do things. With me being pretty active on Instagram, people think that Instagram is my full-time job. I don't know how they think I get paid through Instagram, but they think it's my full-time job. So people will send me a message and they'll say things like, um, hey, I messaged you. Why didn't you check it? Hey, I sent you a message a little bit ago and it's been about an hour. I meant just very, very demanding stuff. And I'm like, wow, like I'm a full-time therapist. (laughs) I'm a full-time therapist. I own a group therapy practice with other therapists. Like I do so many other things. Yes, I create content, but I'm not on Instagram like 12 hours out of the day where I'm just seeing everything and, you know, do, I don't even know what you would do for 12 hours on it. Like if this was a job, I don't know what you would do for that job. But what I do know is it's my job to have those boundaries with Instagram and with, you know, people who may be demanding of my time in ways that I cannot give or I'm unwilling to give. One of the things that I've stopped doing, I have a few, like, you know, repeat questions that people will ask, like, you know, hey, can you help me find a therapist? And the truth is, One, I don't have time to help people find a therapist. And two, I don't know what you need. Mm -hmm. So I get this message maybe 10 to 12 times a day, DM. Then I get people emailing it to me. And I used to like send a reply and say like, oh, but but I realized that takes time. It takes time away from me being able to create content. So once a week, I'll put up something that says, hey, I'm not taking new clients. If you need a therapist, this is what you can do pretty much. Um, But people still ask me. So I realized like, this is my boundary. This is what I'm willing to do. What I'm not willing to do is respond to, you know, 20 messages per day That's not the best use of my time. That's time that I can be creating content. That's time that I can be attending to emails that are actually something that I can help with. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of things that people will demand of you that you can't deliver on. So you can say, either I'll reply at a certain time, I won't reply to it. We've all sent emails and nobody replied. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like, you know, people, it's not a, people can't make you email them back. It's, you know, an email is really a request. It's like, ooh, cross my fingers. I hope this person responds, responds to what I'm saying. But it's, it's, you can't put me in email jail if I don't respond to your email. (laughs) So you can send a message. I get that all the time. You know, this is my third message and send a fourth. I'm not... (laughs) Um, I, you can't put me in, you know, what are you going to do? Put me in timeout. I'm not responding to it. I am cracking up at that <laughs> because I told my assistant the other day, I said, sending email is like coming to ring my doorbell and thinking that I have to answer the doorbell. I don't care if you peek in and see me in my house. I don't have to come and answer the door. Like I didn't invite you. I'm teaching my daughter that. Because she thinks when the doorbell, she's like, let's go get it. I'm like, let's not. We don't have any, we don't have anybody coming. So whoever is on that porch, they're going to stay there. 
because I didn't get any phone calls or texts about anybody stopping by. So that person trying to sell us a whatever, they will be there. They didn't right. make an appointment. So you had some other reminders for while in quarantine. And one of them was people can experience the same thing and have different reactions. And I heard a sermon by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church. He basically said, we might be in the same storm, but not in the same boat. Absolutely. And some of the advice, which I know is well-meaning, but some of the stuff that you hear is kind of dismissive, I think, sometimes of people's actual experience. So, you know, if someone says, well, I'm really struggling right now, and then other people say, well, it's not that bad. Another one of your listicles I liked was stop yourself from saying this to people. And you just had this list of like things that perhaps whether it be COVID-19 or just any crisis, like whenever we find ourselves in any maybe difficult spot, I know that we want to be well-meaning when people come to us with certain things or we want to support and we want to try to make them feel better and hurry up and get over it. Do you remember some of those items from the listicles, stop yourself from saying these things? Or is there anything that we should just be aware of that's just not supportive? Common phrases that are not supportive. It will be okay. Look at the bigger picture. Things will work out. Everything happens for a reason. You're strong. You can manage this. All of those sorts of things. Very well-meaning. We mean well when we say them. And sometimes they are helpful, rarely, but sometimes they are helpful, right? But the majority of times, it's dismissive. And it's taking away from someone really trying to share and just be heard. I remember I was in a car accident when I was in college. And my car was totaled. When I got out the car, my glasses flew off. And so the the ambulance came. He's putting us in the ambulance. And I was like, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? And he was like, you're alive. I'm like, duh, but where are my glasses? (laughs) Like, My biggest problem right now are my glasses. I don't want you telling me, but you're alive. You're safe, but I can't see. (laughs) Like my biggest problem right now is I cannot see. Like, I don't even know who you are telling me this. Mm-hmm. Like I need my glasses, but he was very focused on like giving me all of these, like calm down and don't. And I'm like, I, I'm not calm because to me, it's like, okay, I can't see, like, I need to gather myself, but that's what people do. It's like, calm down. Don't worry. And it's like, I am really worried about yeah. this. And maybe that's not a big deal to you. I looked at him and I'm like, oh, you don't wear glasses. Right. <laughs> like, right. You, you have no clue what it feels like to not be able to see. I can't even see my car damage. Like yeah. I, I can't see like that. That was my biggest problem in that moment. And mm. when people tell you, oh no, that's not a big problem. You, I mean, be grateful for this other thing. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm clearly grateful for that. But also this is the thing. Yeah. When I lost my son prematurely, he he passed after five hours. I had him preterm labor. And when people will find out, they go, but at least you're young. But that doesn't, okay, that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm grieving the entire life I had planned for this little boy, right? Because we already 
envision all the things that we will do and all the places we will go. And then that is like snuffed out within hours and you're left with this new reality. And the, I mean, literally that was probably like 80% of the response I got. I was 25 at the time. They're like, but at least you're young. You're lucky you're young. You're young. You can try again. You're young. You're young. I'm like, that has nothing to do with how I feel today. So do we just disregard the whole situation because I'm young? No, like this is, this is still impacting me and I really want to feel it. And I want to share those feelings with you. But that's 95% of the reason that people come to therapy because therapists actually listen to them. We're not like trying to take over the conversation and share like that share I just did about a car accident. I don't get to do that in therapy. Mm -hmm. I have to listen to this other person (laughs) share all of their stuff, right? So we sit there and we listen to you and we're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And how did you feel? Oh, okay. Are you, it's such a supportive space that people are like, oh my gosh, like I love going because I just get to talk. We don't get to do that with people because so much of what we do with our friends and family is like this. And I do it too. I mean, I'm a friend, I'm a family member. It's like this sharing of back and forth experiences and girl, you'll be okay. We'll be, remember that time, just all of this conversation that is great. We need that too, but we also need those people who will really listen and will not be dismissive and who will understand things. And sometimes those are friends. There are, you know, so, tons of us have friends who won't say, oh, it'll be okay. At least you're young and all of that stuff. But there are a lot of folks who say, like you said, that 80%, there are a lot of folks who will use those routine statements because we're very uncomfortable with people expressing discomfort to us that we, mm-hmm. we don't know what to do with that. It's like, oh my gosh, this person is sad. Let me get them a tissue and pat their back so they'll stop crying instead Mm -hmm. of allowing them to cry. And so allowing them to cry. And if you had to put it in words, how do we, how do we support with words? Is it just, I hear you? I hear you. I see you. What do you need from me? Do you need me to do anything? Is it okay if I hug you? Can I bring you, well, not bring you a meal right now, but can (laughs) I send you a meal? Can I send you a meal? Is it okay if I give you a call back tomorrow to check on you? There are so many other things we can do and say other than using these sort of filler statements that we're used to hearing. It'll be okay. Calm down. No one has ever calmed down from being told, calm down. I'm looking for the person who that actually work on calm down. Maybe no, I usually respond with don't tell me to calm down. That's (laughs) usually my, my defaults. Yeah. That, that, that excites you. Calm down actually excites people. (laughs) You tell an angry person, calm down, they become angrier. So, you know, like let's think of some other ways to really support people instead of calm down. What are you feeling? What do you think has you reacting in this sort of way? Like there are so many things that we could say and really get creative with language instead of saying the things that we, we know they don't work, but we don't know what else to say. Right. We're trying to do what makes us comfortable in the moment. I've heard a ton of people saying like, Oh, I hate when people cry around me. And so You've never, you've never heard that before, or I, I, I'm very uncomfortable, like seeing people cry. Like they'll say things like that. 
um, which kind of lets you know, like, hey, you cry in front of this person. They don't, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to just stare at you. <laughs> right. Uh, you okay? All right. Like, it's going to be a very awkward exchange because they've already expressed, like, I don't, I don't really do people crying around me. It's like, whoa, like, that's a human response, whether it's joy, whether it's sadness, whether it's, you know, fear, we, we cry, like we're humans. And guess what? You don't have to do anything about anybody crying. Just let them cry. Right. Right. I'm seeing that more and more now with girlfriends who are being furloughed or just losing their jobs altogether, being laid off and their identities are their jobs are their job titles. And that just, again, kind of snuffed out. And we've been doing like these girlfriend calls, like high school and college girlfriends, little groups and, hey, checking in. For many of us, it's the first time we've even seen each other in terms of like using Zoom or Skype or something or seeing our kids run around and stuff in years. And there's been a couple of these clusters of different friends where it's always, you know, one who didn't want to share with the group even though it's a small group and, and created to be more of a safe space that they did lose the job or that this is a rough time in the marriage or, you know, whatever. And I'm wondering if it's, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure, but if I'm wondering if it's just because they don't want to hear that it'll be okay stuff. So they rather not even engage that part of the conversation. Could be, or I wonder if there's a bit of shame there. Um, Because we can feel shame even when we aren't responsible for something. Sometimes we don't want people to pity us. And so we won't share because we don't want pity. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's hard when you are the friend that wants to listen. Mm. You know, when you're like, oh my gosh, I wish you would have told. I mean, just so that I'm here, just so I can listen, not because I have any advice to give but just so that I can listen. Because, you know, when people say things like check on your strong friend and then you check on them, but then they're too ashamed to actually say what's really going on. It's like, well, do I even ask or do I just keep showing up or just keep being like, I'm here to listen and allow them the space. Keep asking because one day they may shock you and actually tell you something. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. One of the challenges that strong people have is vulnerability and you have to be vulnerable enough to let people know that you're not okay. And so even when someone is asking, you have to be willing to share because lots of strong people will say like, I don't have any, I don't have anybody that'll listen to me, but it's really a perception. It's not a reality. We perceive that maybe someone won't listen. When people actually say like, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm okay. Because you aren't willing to open up and share yet. Mm -hmm. That's good. They probably freed a few people. (laughs) They probably did, honestly, because I even know from my own experience, there's some people I'm just more comfortable sharing certain things with than others. So while you might be saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? In this one instance, you're not the friend for that. In my mind, like I've compartmentalized who can handle like layers of truth at any one time. And there's also that thought that's like, well, her experience is worse off than mine. So I don't want to sound trivial. 
So I might as well keep it to myself. It goes back to my glasses. Perhaps that was trivial in the moment that they I couldn't find my glasses, but it was a big thing to me. Like we can't decide what big issues are to people. It's like right now, the people who are buying up all the tissue, they're pissing off the people who don't have tissue. It's like, why are these people doing that? It goes back to that post of, we all respond to things differently. There are some people who are in such fear that perhaps they could be in their homes for nine months that they want to buy a bunch of tissue. (laughs) There are other people who are like, oh, we won't be here for long. I don't need tissue. Like we are all responding in different ways. We can't say which thing is bigger, which problem is bigger, because all of our problems feel really big to us. To I, don't, I don't care what that problem is. I don't care how much money you have. It's like, you know, people assume rich people don't have problems. If your biggest problem right now is your chef is not available and you have to figure out how to cook these meals, that's a huge problem to you. I can't say that that, that's a small problem compared to my problem. We don't problem compare because we don't Mm -hmm. know what it's like for other people. Oh, I love that. Don't problem compare. That's really good. That's good. Nedra, thank you so much for (laughs) just for this conversation. I really believe it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. I would love to ask you before I let you go what we call redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. Okay. Really quick. Just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Um, First one is, how do you define success? I think success is based on the individual. Like there is no overall definition of success because my idea of success is going to be different from your idea and her idea and everyone else's idea. My idea of success right now is waking up And reading a little bit, being able to journal, moving my body, putting some nutritious meals in my body, um, spending time with my kids, being able to do some work. That is what success is to me right now. That might change tomorrow if I have a new goal. So it's not this one thing. It's a continuous process of stuff and it's different for every single person. You forgot watching a little Curb Your Enthusiasm. Watching, oh yeah, my three episodes <laughs> of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I forgot. Yes, yeah. I so I have two in today. I just got to do one more. Then I'm a, <laughs> I am a success story. You are a success today. Yes. Okay. Second question: How do you define wealth in three words or less? Lots of money. Lots of money. Men, you're one of few people who get three words the first time. I usually have to ask to condense. Okay, very good. Um, What's one book that has helped you redefine how you see wealth? This book is so outdated, but it taught me every single thing that I needed to know at the time about money. And it is Young, Fabulous and Broke by Susie Orban. Yes. Yes. That's a throwback, ain't it? Yes. yes. That is, <laughs> I, I should read it now because I haven't read it since college. But when I was in maybe my last year of college, I read that book and it was like discovering the Bible. Like what? This is yeah. what I was, I was doing everything wrong. I was completely the person. They were like, Hey, free t-shirt, credit card. I was like, me, 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 me. Oh girl. <laughs> that Don't get me started on that. I had the water bottle, the Frisbee, 
the visor and the t-shirt. Oh yeah. Gift cards to restaurant, all this silly stuff. But uh, reading that book, oh my, I, I would say like after I read that book, my whole idea about money changed because I was never taught like how to spend money, um, how to not live paycheck to paycheck, Mm -hmm. like all of these things. And then this book, she talked about like student loans and buying a car and buying your first house. And I think maybe a year and a half after that, I bought my house. Like I paid off all my debt after I read that book and I didn't Mm -hmm. have a car payment, but it changed my life. I was like, oh, Susie, you are, you know. It was one of my early favorites too. Yeah, I I bought my first place around 24, 23, like 23 going into 24, I think. And that was one of my, it's actually one of the books I referenced in my first book in 2012. I referenced that book. That's a throwback though, girl. Lots of folks don't mention that at all. I haven't heard (laughs) that one. So thank you for that. Um, And last one, you can fill in the blank. My name is, and then to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Nedra, and the truth about wealth is it's internal. Yes. You don't even have to expound upon that. Yes, it is. Are you sure you don't want me to expound upon it? Well, go on in. Go in on it. (laughs) So when when I think of wealth, I think of quality of life. I think of people having enough money to live the life that they want. Some of us want a jet. Some of us want a pool in the backyard and some of us want a tiny home. So it is internal. It is something that we create for ourselves. It's not always about, you know, when I think about money, you see a lot of stuff about don't go to Starbucks, save the $5 for your coffee. Don't, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, that'll get you there. But I think a lot of it is creating a life that you can afford and a life that you want. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. I like they know I'll go in on this. So I'm going to just. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's our big thing here um, at Redefining Wealth is that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. Wealth is truly about the condition of well-being. And that's the original definition, 12th century. And like you said, it's different for each of us, but it starts on the inside. Like what we have on the outside is the byproduct of a lot of conversations that we're having internally and thoughts, habits, beliefs, ways of being. So yes, I love it. That was, that was amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a voice to our favorite Instagram handle. Really appreciate you so much. And just thank you for this work. And I might check out Curb Your Enthusiasm. You, you piqued my interest a little bit since seasons, huh? 10 seasons start with the last season. I think season 10 is the funniest season yet. I do this awkward thing of watching things backwards. So I 10, 9, 8, 7. That's interesting. It is interesting because once I start watching a new season, I'm like, hey, when did he divorce her? And then I have to wait until the beginning of the next season. It's (laughs) it's completely weird. But um, I, I wanted to catch up now. So I started with season 10. And then I was like, Oh, wait, let me go back. And yeah, I didn't start back at one. So <laughs> season 10 is the funniest. 
But I'm a very like I like the office. I like curb your enthusiasm. So very like dry, sarcastic, awkward personality humor. My, my daughter loves the office and she actually thinks she's going to be a therapist oh because she's God. the one who listens to all her friends and is already <laughs> giving, I believe, unsolicited advice, but giving <laughs> advice nonetheless. <laughs> I was watching uh, 20s and one of the friends said, hey, can I give you some unsolicited advice? And the other girl said, that's all you give. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is my child. I can walk by and hear her saying like, you don't have to stand for that. Like, it's always I'm like, oh, my gosh. But yes. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. All right. Didn't I tell you, you would love that episode. I just adore Nedra. I had only been following the account on Instagram and seeing the listicles as she mentioned, but then matching it with the personality. I know you guys are going to just love her that you love her now, just like I do. So here are a few of my takeaways. First of all, whatever needs to be kept at home mm -mm, probably needs to be told to a therapist. So good. Another one for me was busyness is not the barometer for your worth. And it really just all came together for me as this idea that we need to fight for gratitude. This whole idea about being content and not complaining or not trying to compare against what other people are going through, but being content with our own circumstances for so many years. I think even in Real Money Answers for Every Woman, in my last book, I just talk about a wealthy habit being gratitude and knowing that it's not always easy to be grateful. Our circumstances, our surroundings, our experiences don't always say, wow, this is something to be grateful for. But I really do believe that if we dig through deep enough, there is something that we can fight to be grateful for. So I don't know if it's waking up with a gratitude practice or having one before you go to sleep, set your alarm on your phone if you have to, but there are so many things that you can be grateful for. There are so many ways that we can find the contentment that Nedra mentions, no matter how basic it may seem like to others. If that's what you need, that's what you need, all right? What a wonderful episode. Please share this with two or three friends. I know that people are so worn out on COVID-19 related topics, but in honor of May being mental health month. I wanted to make sure that we just keep the conversation going. You never know what someone needs and being able to set strong boundaries physically or digitally, as well as being able to have this conversation with dignity and grace and a little bit of humor might just be what your strong friend needs. So please send this to a few people. Make sure you rate and review the podcast and also look out because we are moving the Purpose Chasers community to Facebook. I am really excited to have an opportunity to go live more now because I'm not on the road as much and I really want to engage with the Purpose Chaser community. We've also been doing pop-up purpose trainings. So there are brilliant women who are in my Purpose to Platform community. Many of them are so strong in the different pillars and I want them to share their tips, their tools, their methods, their resources with you so you can continue to grow. These are absolutely free trainings. We're doing pop-up purpose trainings in our new Facebook community, and I am inviting you. All you have to do is go to IamAPurposeChaser.com. IamAPurposeChaser.com, and you'll get the link to join us on the Redefining Wealth community group in 
or on, I should say, the Facebook platform. If you're already a Purpose Chaser, no worries. Look out for the links that we're dropping in the current community or the email that we sent out so you can come on over. We have so many things planned for May, June, July, for the months to come. So come over. I am a purposechaser.com. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really want to encourage you to go check Nedra out on Instagram. You will absolutely love her account. So you spell that N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B, Nedra Tawab on Instagram. Go and follow and get your life with these listicles. You can also hit me up at Seek Wisdom PCW. Share what your takeaways were either in that Facebook group or you can share it on my Instagram page when you see us post about this episode. Share what your takeaways were or share in the YouTube comments wherever you listen to the podcast. We want to hear from you. And until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. 